Welcome to SCOTUS Sneak Peek, a legal podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. And after hearing just two cases to kick off the first week of the February sitting, the Supreme Court is going to hear twice as many the second week. Wow. That includes one of the biggest cases of the term involving the Peace Cross and the First Amendment. But the first case deals with something even more fun, television. Kimberly, can you tell us what we can expect to see in that one? Well, this one is Manhattan Community Access Corporation, and it's actually also a First Amendment case that's kind of flown underneath the radar, being kind of so closely lumped up with that cross case that you mentioned. But this one actually has to do with what constitutes a public forum. Now, these public forums are places that are entitled to First Amendment protections. And I think, you know, when people talk about public forum, the example that they give the most are sidewalks and Mm -hmm. public parks. I mean, you can say pretty much whatever you want on a sidewalk and the government can't stop you. Good to know. Oh, great. We're going to there's going to be trouble after this, isn't there? Jordan. Not for me. Not me. (laughs) So this started with two employees of the public access channel suing their company, saying that they were fired because they were critical of the company. And they are claiming that that violates their free speech protections under the First Amendment. But normally private companies are not protected or required to protect the First Amendment. That's something that only obliges the federal and state and local governments. So that wouldn't normally apply to a private employer like this public access channel. But the Second Circuit said that the public access channel was actually what a so-called state actor basically acting on behalf of the state. And it said that for two reasons. First, it found that the public access channel itself was a public forum, like a sidewalk, because it's a place where people come and express themselves and it's open to the public to come and express themselves. And so it is entitled to free speech protections. And then it said that because only a government can create a public forum like this, then it's essentially an agent of the government. And there's also, you know, some facts in here that kind of support that the Manhattan president actually picked the particular company to run the public access channel. And Mm -hmm. so the Second Circuit said those two things combined, both it being a public forum and the government involvement here, made the channel basically a state actor. And so the Supreme Court will decide whether or not that's true. Now, there's some really interesting amici in this case, a group that includes things like Facebook, Twitter, and Google, who say that this could affect the internet if the justices uphold this ruling. And they say, you know, they warn the justices not to convert all private property mm-hmm. into government property just because they provide places where people can communicate. So I imagine that there'll be some discussion of that and the justices will try to work around that with the, that kind of in the back of their minds. Them right. being, uh, you know, quite frequent Twitter and Facebook users. Maybe. They're, some of them are lurking there, right? I, I don't know. Are they? Is that what your Twitter account is? Is it actually a justice Twitter account? I don't know. Topic for the next podcast. <laughs> So that's Monday. Tuesday is supervised release day at the court with two cases on the subject. The first is U.S. against Heyman, and that case involves a law requiring courts to revoke supervised release and send people to prison based on a lower standard than the beyond a reasonable doubt standard required for conviction at trial. The defendant Heyman was convicted of possessing child pornography, and as part of his sentence for that crime, he had to be on supervised release. But a judge found that the defendant violated supervised release by possessing 
more child pornography, and the judge sentenced him to five years in prison, which is the minimum sentence under the law that's at issue in the case. But the problem with that, the defendant says, is that if you want to convict someone and put them in prison, that should be based on facts found by a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. But here you had a judge finding those facts that the defendant violated supervised release under a lower standard than beyond a reasonable doubt. And so the question is whether that scheme is constitutional. And that's the question that the judge, that the Supreme Court will be looking at. And the second case of the day, Mont against the United States, also deals with a defendant whose supervised release was revoked and the defendant getting sent back to prison. But the defendant, Mont, says supervised release, that his supervised release term had already expired, so he couldn't have violated it. The question is whether his term of supervised release was paused when he was in prison in connection with a new conviction. And so the lower court said that his release term was paused, and Mont wants the justices to say that the supervised release term still runs, even if you're in prison on another offense. So that one is tied up to specific dates and gets Hmm. sort of tricky there. And so it's basically a timing question, but one that could have obviously big consequences for whether people can be sent to prison more for violating supervised release. It's always fun when they do those theme days, right? We had an arbitration day earlier, supervised release. When you first said that, I thought that there were going to be a whole bunch of people there on supervised release. There could be. Like a field trip or something. Yeah, if they can get there early enough, like anybody else, (laughs) however many few hundred people can be there. All right. And so that brings us to the main event of the week on Wednesday, and that's the Peace Cross case. Kimberly, can you catch us up on that one? Well, sure. Again, the First Amendment plays a pretty big role in this case, but a different part of the First Amendment. Now we're not talking about speech. We're talking about religion and specifically the Establishment Clause. And so, you know, here... What's at issue is a 93-year-old World War One monument that is in the shape of a 40-foot cross. Now, this is in Maryland. It's in a park with other war memorials. But although it wasn't built on land that was owned by Maryland at the time, Maryland has since taken possession of the land and owns you know this, this portion that the cross sits on. And so people sued, saying that that's a violation of the Establishment Clause, that it excessively tangles the government in religion. And actually, the Fourth Circuit agreed and it ordered this 93-year-old monument to be taken down. So, you know, the case is is pretty interesting just on its facts. Mm -hmm. Uh, It seems something like something that the justices aren't really going to stand for. Right. But... the way that they get there is going to be really important. And that's because people, Amici in this case, and the plaintiffs all say that Establishment Clause jurisprudence is really a mess. Right now, much of it is based on the so-called lemon test. And this is a really often criticized test. And famously, Justice Scalia referred to it as a ghoul in the night that keeps resurrecting itself after many justices try to stick their pen in its heart. All right. Um, that's fine. So, you know, it, it's had a lot of confusion just in that test alone, but also the Supreme Court has really deviated from that test in special circumstances, most notably or most recently involving legislative prayer, where they didn't analyze that Establishment Clause claim under the Lemon Test. And there's been some inconsistencies or, or hard to explain differences between, you know, Ten Commandments mm-hmm. monuments versus crosses. And so, you know, I think most people, court watchers, think that the Supreme Court isn't going to say that this cross must be taken down. But again, how they get there is really important. And actually, 
the cross itself may fall down before the justices actually decide the case. Really? So it may be that the only thing that's important in this case is actually how the justices get there. Yeah, it's in a pretty bad state of repair. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, so that wraps up the February sitting. And we'll be back with our next sneak peek episode when the court hears cases the week of March 18th. But in between sittings, we'll have our deep dive episode where we'll take an in-depth look at the next big issue of our time. And so, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, that should be fun. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. All right. That was... Crushed it.